0: Welcome to the first episode of Wide Right, the first college football podcast to make its debut on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Manny Navarro, and I've covered the Miami Hurricanes for the Athletic since last year's opener in Dallas against LSU. That game did not go well for the U, but they're hoping this year's opener against the hated Florida Gators goes a lot better. We'll get to that in a second when I bring on Will Salmon, who covers the Gators for the Athletic. But first, allow me to introduce myself a Jay-Z. My name once again is Manny Navarro, and every week this college football season, twice a week actually, on Mondays and Thursdays, Mike Zimmerman, my producer, and I will attempt to bring you the absolute best Canes coverage we can. We're not going to break any news here or impress you with our 40 times. Well, Mike might. I won't. But we will bring you interviews with current and former Hurricanes, high school coaches, moms, dads, uncles, street agents, whatever it takes to tell good stories and entertain you for 30 minutes. So, without further ado, before we get to the always impressive Will Salmon, Mike, please introduce yourself because you will be that mysterious voice at times who asks me Kane's questions. And I want our listeners to familiarize themselves with your voice. First of all, Mike, let these Canes fans know you are one of them—a
1: hurricane at heart. Thanks, Manny. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, born and raised here in New Jersey, you wouldn't think um, I am a Hurricanes fan, but uh, I indeed I am. Uh, first game I actually ever watched. You know, now I'll basically give away my age. I was six years old in 1998, watching Miami upset UCLA at the Orange Bowl. Uh, ever since watching that game, I've been a Canes. A so I've been through the the Butch Davis. You know, Larry Coker, Randy Shannon, been through it all, Al Golden. So uh, excited now to see what Manny Diaz does, and I'm excited to talk some Hurricanes with you and um, hear your insight.
0: Yeah, man. You know, I've been around this program a long time. I, I actually started covering them for the Miami Herald, helping out uh, with some of the coverage back in the Butch days. And that was in the late 1990s, and I was around for a lot of things uh, over the years. And, and, you know, I took three years off to go cover the Miami Heat and Dwayne Wade's last couple seasons, but back on the beat last year. So I've been around the Miami program a long time, and I look forward to interacting with you a ton and and talking about the Canes uh, quite a bit. One thing that's kind of cool that we're going to do after every game, by the way, for our listeners is set up a voicemail box where they can call in and give their hot takes or leave questions so that. Uh, They can be heard. That's what we want. We want our listeners to be heard as well. We want this podcast to be interactive. If you don't want your voice on the show, you can email Mike or myself a question at our email addresses here at The Athletic with the subject line. So that's some quick housekeeping. Let's get to the show and we'll start with the biggest story of fall camp for the Hurricanes, the battle for the starting quarterback job. We all know redshirt freshman Jaron Williams won the job last week beating out redshirt sophomores Tate Martell and Nikosi Perry. Tate's now actually playing receiver, by the way. But here, uh, we're going to strive to bring you a little more than what you've already heard. So last night, I caught up with Todd Wofford, Jaron's high school coach at Central Gwinnett in Georgia. I wanted to ask him why he thinks Jaron's ready to face a top 10 team like the Florida Gators. Everything that, you know, you could ask for in any quarterback, he has those Characteristics and abilities. All he doesn't have is experience. That's it. You know, size, speed, arm, knowledge of the game, knowledge of the position poise leadership you know the calmness you know i read somewhere today that you know one of the tight ends was talking about how just his demeanor was just calm in the, in the in the pocket or whatnot and that's actually something that we used to talk about all the time is he the type of guy to speak up and talk or is he more of a uh you know in terms of like the locker room stuff does he do a lot of that Jaron is a lead by example guy out of the gate but he's more of a uh encourager kind of guy than a rip your butt kind of guy, which, you know, it's time I used to tell him, you know, if a receiver drops, I said, you know, I told him, you know, get on him. Yeah. But he, but he would beat him, but he'd done that too. Right. He learns from his mistakes and, and he's tempered too. It doesn't seem like he lo- he's, right. he's right. He doesn't flip out, which is right. Important. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And you can coach him as hard as you want to, and he'll keep
0: on going. All right. So it's time to start talking about this football game between the Gators and hurricanes on Saturday. And we've brought in Will Salmon, who covers, florida for us uh here at the athletic and will uh you and i previewed this game about a month ago we we sat there and we we spent about two days i think breaking everything down in terms of the way it looks on paper but how do how do the gators feel going into this game and and particularly on the offensive side of the ball with with such a young you know offensive line
1: lucas cool said they're ready to dominate manny So so they're pretty confident, man. No, um, they feel pretty good. I mean, they like their playmakers. I think they're very, very confident in their wide receivers. I think they believe that that's one of the best groups in the country. And that's a phrase that we hear so much that you kind of uh, get sick and tired of hearing that phrase. But I think it really applies to Florida because they returned pretty much everybody there. And their production speaks for itself. There's some good talent there. Plus, you add their tight ends who are a little bit inexperienced, but super talented. And you got a guy like LaMichael Pirine, who's one of the top five running backs in the SEC, if not the top three or four you can make a case for. So they feel pretty good. It's just a matter of what are they going to get from their offensive line and what kind of step can Felipe Franks take immediately starting in 2019?
0: Well, I think, you know, you look at Franks, and obviously he's they've got the edge here at at quarterback, You know, I mean, they, they've got the experienced guy, the guy who's uh, won some big games for them in the past. Miami, of course, is going out there with with Jaron Williams. But, uh, who, you know, this he took nine snaps all of last season. So you're throwing him sort of to the wolves here against a top 10 team. Uh, but Frank's, uh, you know, he was successful last year, especially, I think, you know, just creating plays and falling forward. A lot of the time, he's such a big dude, six, six, what, two thirty, something like that. Um, just a big dude and, and this defense for the Hurricanes, I mean, there were times last year where they struggled against quarterbacks who were mobile and, and could make plays on the run. So I think it's gonna be a huge challenge. How do you sort of see Franks going into this game? How much better can he be?
1: Well, you kind of hit on it there, Manny, with listing his height and weight. A funny thing happened like halfway through the season, Felipe Franks sort of realized how much he weighs and how tall he is. And he started to kind of use that to his advantage in the running game and say to himself, Hey, I could I could run the ball here and I could I can absorb this hit and I could keep going. And they're not able to take me down. And that's a good thing. And it could make things happen and it can make the running game a little bit more dynamic and it could open up things in the passing game too. And it's just another thing that the defense has to account for. And so I think I suspect that it's gonna give Miami a little bit of trouble. I really like Miami's front seven. I know you could talk all day about how how talented they are there but it's it's gonna be a pretty good test for them I mean what is it like why why do you kind of say that like is there any sort of guys that you mentioned last year that they went up against that sort of makes you kind of think that they may have a little bit of difficulty in bringing down Franks or how much of a focus has that been or how much was that in camp where maybe they cleaned that up a little bit
0: well, I thought they did a pretty good job tackling. I mean, that's at least according to the coaches. We kept hearing about what a great job they were doing tackling in those scrimmages. And, you know, their teams don't tackle very much in fall camp. But when they do get uh, out there on, on you know, as far as scrimmaging, they do want to see how you tackle. And, and, and that's one thing they took a lot of pride in as far as the players and the coaches. They thought that they had done a really good job uh, this spring. But I think, you know, th- the fear is you go back and you look at the film. North Carolina had a lot of success running the ball against Miami, the quarterback did uh, in that game. And, and granted, Miami blew North Carolina out, but there were some issues, and, and in the past there have been some issues where running quarterbacks have created problems. I thought Miami did a great job last year against Br- uh, Bryce Perkins out of Virginia, who's one of the best running quarterbacks in the country. He might be the best this year, to be honest. And, uh, I, you know, they shut him down pretty well. But, it, you know, anytime you face a quarterback who can – Throw and, and run, it, it's never an easy defensive assignment. And I think you've got some young guys in the secondary, particularly at safety. You know, Gervin Hall, Amari Carter, who are going to be the starters in this game, who are backups to Jaquan Johnson and Sheldrick Redwine. And this is going to be the first time that, hey, you know what, the pressure's really on them to be the last line of defense. And those Florida receivers are very, very good and it's it's not going to be easy for this secondary you got a lot of young guys out there trajan bandy's the one returning starter in that secondary so i could see some of those safeties wanting to come up and try to stop felipe franks and and help in the
1: running game but they've got to be careful not to let those florida receivers get behind them it's funny you mentioned that just because with felipe franks i mentioned earlier that okay he understood like who he is like what his body is and what he's capable of physically but he's also changed mentally and in his preparation and in his knowledge of the offense, and that really showed last year within the running game, too. And I think that's worth pointing out just because early on in the season, you know, Dan Mullen's offense is really predicated on the, on the quarterback knowing pre-snap reads, making adjustments at the line, just like anybody else, but a little bit more because it's just that heavily involved with RPOs within that spread offense. And so with Felipe Franks, he had, the abil- he had sort of the leeway and the ability to make those reads and make those checks. He just wasn't doing it a whole lot early on last year because he wasn't comfortable enough and wasn't confident enough with his- within his knowledge of the offense to actually do that. Second half of the season, we saw a little bit more where he, uh, he really knew when was the right time to pull back on that RPO and take it himself after reading either the defensive end where that person was or seeing a change in the secondary that he recognized and just knowing, okay, I should take this. I should not force this handoff. And so that got a lot cleaner. And that's kind of an interesting thing, like a sort of a game within the game to really pay attention to is his execution in those RPOs and his knowledge of, of the offense and reading the defense.
0: All right, I don't want us to get too geeky when it comes to analysis uh, here because obviously this for fans listening, I know some of them love to get deep into the analytics and and, and the RPO stuff, but let, let's just turn it around to defense because both of these teams are very, very good on defense, and, and, we'll, and let's talk about the Gators' defense in particular because there are some studs on that side of the ball, particularly at defensive end. We know Miami's young at the offensive tackle position. Are those guys licking their chops knowing that they're going up against an 18-year-old left tackle making his first – College start and, and a 19 year old right tackle who didn't play much at all last year.
1: I think Todd Grantham sure is <laughs> on the opposite end um, of that sideline. <laughs> I, I think he's. I think he's really. I think part of him probably wishes he can get out there, just knowing how intense he gets on the sideline and just what his all, what his defense is about and how aggressive it can be. But to simplify the answer uh, for you, oh yeah, I mean they're they're ready to go uh, because you also you added a guy and a guy like Jonathan Grenard was a transfer from Louisville, and you subtracted Jakai Polite, who was drafted by the Jets last last April, and so Jakai Polite had a breakout year. But Jonathan Grenard's a guy who came, comes from Louisville, was recruited by Todd Grantham, was a, a stellar player in that conference before moving to Florida, and he hasn't played in a full year. So not only is he going to have the ability to go up against you know a, a younger offensive line, he has that sort of motivation in the back of his mind where hey, I haven't played in a year and this is finally my opportunity to go. And so if you're talking about guys on defense who I don't think get enough written or said about them that we may end up talking about a little bit more after Saturday's game, for me it's Grenard just because I know what he's capable of and I know how much this game means to him.
0: Are there any under-the-radar guys who we need to uh, sort of focus on a little bit more for Florida? Are there guys, that, in your opinion, that you know maybe Miami doesn't know about yet that could be huge factors in this game?
1: Definitely. I think that Amari Bernie is a guy who people are are also going to be a lot more familiar with at the end of the game. He's playing linebacker, has the ability to go into the secondary too and get some snaps there but he's playing linebacker and I think he's an important person for this game in particular and this is something I I really was eager to ask you about because we got a lot of questions about this from fans and just we talked about it to players but within Enos' offense from my experience with watching him and from seeing him I covered a game in 2017 when he when his offense played Mississippi State uh, while he was at Arkansas and I remember just the way that he utilized his tight ends and so Amari Bernie for me is a linebacker that makes a lot of sense for answering that question because of his coverage ability Florida got burned so many times Uh, Voshan Joseph against Georgia was the biggest example that comes to mind with having linebackers cover tight ends. It just didn't work out so well. With Amari Burney there, that's a situation that should be improved. It should be fine-tuned because of his skill set. Um, am I am I on the right path there with, with bringing up the tight ends within Dinos' <laughs> offense, or is that a little bit overblown? Well, you tell me, man. Well,
0: look, I, well. Miami's tight ends, I think, are really the strength of this offense. You, you look at a guy like Brevin Jordan, who last year had 32 catches as a true freshman. Will Mallory, who was another four-star tight end, one of the top five at his position coming out of high school in 2018. Both of those guys, to me, are elite tight ends, and and that's – where I think Danino's is going to want to try to, you know, take advantage of Florida a little bit uh, offensively is, you know, those matchups. Can those guys sort of expose, you know, Florida in the middle of their defense? We know the cornerbacks are very, very good. We know those guys are elite, um, and, and we know that you know this is Jaren Williams' first game. What's what's the best security blanket for a quarterback in their first game? Right, it's it's dumping the ball off to the tight end and letting those guys make plays for you. And so I think from Miami's perspective going into this game offensively. Um, you know, the majority of their experience on the offensive line is inside. It's the two guards who were starters. Uh, Navon Donaldson at left guard who has 22 career starts. And then at right guard, uh, DJ Scaife, who who started the last seven games of last season at right tackle. Corey Gaynor is a guy who uh, didn't play last season. He was redshirted, but he played 10 games uh, in 2017. He's your starting center. He's the guy who's looked at as the leader of that offensive line because He's just vocal and, and, and a guy who, who does a pretty good job there. So I think if you're Miami, you're trying to pound the ball up the middle, you're trying to run on those uh, Florida defensive tackles, and you're trying to hit those tight ends over the middle of the field. I think every time you go outside, you're looking for trouble, and I think Danny knows he's going to want to run some play-action offense. He's going to want Jaron Williams to get the ball out of his hands quickly because he knows that you know Grantham's going to throw all kinds of blitzes at him. And ultimately, Miami, they're they're just going to need to – be consistent offensively and move the chains. And I think, you know, you look at the the over-under line in this game, it's 47 points. I think it started at 50 and a half. It keeps going down because I think most people think this is going to be a defensive slugfest. I think if Miami wins this game, it has to be a defensive slugfest. It has to be a game that Florida's offense isn't on the field and, and running all over them. They need, they need to keep this low scoring because I don't think this offense right off the bat is going to be very good. I think they're going to have some struggles, especially the offensive tackle position. So, you know, the tight ends, the running backs, they're going to be vitally the important end, for Miami back, in this
1: game. I got a question for you before before I get into some thoughts on the under, because I have some thoughts on the under uh, with the tight ends. All right. So <laughs> so they have the the young tackles. Right. How much will mm-hmm. they how much do you anticipate them having the tight ends on the line uh, to kind of help that out? Because that, in theory, would would sort of compromise what they're able to do in the passing game within those with, with those tight ends, no? Right.
0: Yeah. Well, I I think what you'll what you'll see happen is those tight ends sort of stay in for a second or two and then sort of bleed out, you know, and and into dump off type of situations where maybe they they chip a guy and then run out and catch a pass. But I think the the running backs for the most part are probably going to be the ones back there uh, protecting. I think you, you're going to see DJ Dallas stay in a whole lot. Uh, to protect you're probably going to see a bunch of screen passes to him uh, to try to keep you know that pass rush off balance so that's that's what I kind of foresee happening but again this is going to be the first time we see Danny Eno's call plays here at Miami I don't know what he honestly thinks of his personnel I think he's confident um, in in you know Jaron Williams ability to throw the ball downfield and, and to try to get the ball to his receivers but I think if he's a smart guy and I think Danny Enos is a smart guy and you know the way that Todd Grantham attacks on defense, uh, you know, you're, you're going to keep a running back back there to help protect that quarterback, and you're going to try to get the ball to your tight ends, who really, to begin with, aren't very good blockers. I mean, Brevin Jordan and, and Will Mallory, Will Mallory's more of a receiver than he is a tight end, to be honest. Uh, you know, blocking is something that uh, he's sort of getting used to now in college. It's something he's trying to improve on. But, uh, you know, between those two guys, they're, they're not very, very good blockers. They're more receivers uh, than they are, you know, blocking tight ends. And so... I think uh, you're going to see a lot of chipping from, from DJ Dallas and Cam Harris and those running backs.
1: So here's my takeaway from what you said. Take the under. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah i think most fans uh are expecting a defensive slugfest man i mean ultimately it's going to come down to how effective franks and 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 those receivers are because i think that's where florida pretty much has the clear advantage and yards after the catch is a huge deal miami's defensive players have been talking about it throughout camp like we're getting guys down quickly we're not giving up the yak and the yak is actually a very important stat, I think, for the Florida Gators. I think they were top twenty in the country last year in yards after the catch, according to Jason Sterrett, who's, you know, one of our college football insiders and, and gets a chance to look at all these stats. Can you can you talk a little bit more about that, the yak? You Do you know about we'll how good the, the, Gators about the, how Gators the Gators were with the yak last year?
1: They're all about it, man. No, a lot a lot has been a lot has been made about how much how many more explosive plays can Florida's offense generate. And it's funny because a lot of people will point to, well, they didn't have that many that many plays of forty plus yards. And it's like, well, okay, I, I understand that, but they had a bunch of, say, twenty plus yards. And they they had a decent amount of those. And I think with Dan Mullen this being his second year, you're gonna see him understand what these what what his players are more capable of this year as opposed to last year, where For example, it took him three or four weeks to really sort of say to himself, okay, we need to incorporate LaMichael P. Ryan into the passing game. We need to utilize his pass-catching ability as a running back a little bit more here, and that's going to open some things up. And we got to utilize Kadarius Toney a little bit more, and we saw that happen toward the end of last year a little bit. So while a lot of that is on Felipe Franks and his ability to improve with his accuracy on deep balls, They could run a lot of short passes and they could run, you know, a a slant to say Van Jefferson and he could break a tackle um, and then streak for another 10 to 15 yards. And we saw that plenty. We saw that with Freddie Swain before Freddie Swain got injured. And you can go up and down the list. We saw Trevon Grimes make some explosive plays off of screens. And so it's not just Felipe Franks' ability to improve as a deep ball passer, which does need some improvement. These guys are talented and they're explosive on their own. I'm talking about the wide receivers here to really make things happen once the ball is in their hands. And against a, a younger secondary, I just think that that's a really an, an underrated aspect of this game that while we talk about how low scoring it can be, Florida could be, Florida could rack up a couple of points in a hurry uh, just based off of that alone, especially if they're working with a short field.
0: Yep, and I'm going to give you the stat because I found the email from yep. Jason Sterrett, by the way. It says, according to Sports Info Solution, the Gators receivers there you go. were ranked among the nation's top 20 last season in both yak per reception and percentage of total receiving yards coming after the catch. So, really, I mean, that's – and, you know, Miami – again, Miami defensive backs, Mark Carter, uh, spoke Tuesday. Uh, he's one of the starting safeties for the Hurricanes. He talked about – just the importance of bringing guys down. And so clearly, the Hurricanes have done their homework. They know what Florida's strength is, and, you know, as far as breaking tackles in the secondary and yards after the catch, and, and they're making a priority in this game. So that's, to me, you, you look at some of the underlying topics just to do a quick review. It's how does Miami's freshman offensive tackles handle Florida's pass rush? Do you know what the third most important factor is in this game? I, I was sort of leaving it to you. The uh, the Canes' offensive, of, actually, the Canes' defensive line taken against Florida's offensive line.
1: Yeah, that to me is number one. If if you're looking at, if you're looking at it from Florida's perspective, just because as much as we have discussed and talked about Felipe Franks and his improvement and his confidence and how much he is operating with conviction within his knowledge of the offense, we still have yet to see him throw a pass or operate under pressure and face a live rush. We have not seen that since – we have not seen Felipe Franks play in an actual game where that has happened since late December when he was taking on a Michigan defense that was not all that interested in playing football. So those four games last year is what critics point to when you're analyzing Florida and they say – and they say none of these defenses were really that good in that context. And so you couple that with a, with um, an inexperienced offensive line, and we just don't know because this is the least amount of career starts that offensive line coach John Hevesy has ever worked with. And that's saying a lot because he's been a coach for, at least under, under Mullen, he's been with him for the last 10 years. And so this is the least amount of starts on his line that he has entered a season with. How much will that matter? We'll see because it depends on a lot of other factors. The group is a little bit more talented than some of the lines he has worked with in the past. And so they do have that working for them. But we have yet to see them operate cohesively inside a game together. And we just don't know what to expect when Felipe Franks has somebody in his face and he is forced to make a tough decision. And with Miami's defense, you're going to bet that that's going to happen at least a couple of times. If for nothing else, then they're, they're pretty good. And this is an offensive line that's probably going to have to work out some kinks.
0: Well, you and I made predictions in our story last month before camp started for both of these teams. And you had Florida winning 28-17. to 17. I have Florida winning 27-19 to 19 because, you know, I have to make it closer. I'm the Hurricanes guy. Uh, <laughs> are you sticking with that prediction? Do you think Florida wins this game by double digits? Have you, has your opinion changed at all? Do you think Miami has a chance to win this game?
1: That's that's like that's like the best question uh, that we could that that we could kind of summarize our takes on. Because I think what you're really asking is, does Miami's quarterback situation change my line of thinking at all? Because that's really the biggest thing that I guess has changed, right? Since yes. since we did that last month, so. I'm going to say yeah. I'm going to say like I I probably put Florida at a little bit higher of an advantage, and thus the margin for victory for me is a little bit higher, uh, a little bit wider for me. I don't know how much more I would be willing to say, but a a tad bit more really, just because the more the closer I got to Florida's team, I'm saying to myself, this team's ready. This team, this team really is confident. Uh, I don't see too many issues that I'd be pressed for concern with that will make me think otherwise. So, yeah, I have no reason to think that they're going to lose this game. I really don't. What about you, Manny? What do you got?
0: Well, I think Miami can certainly win this game. I think if they create enough turnovers – and the turnover chain comes out. They can have a, a special, you know, Saturday, and Manny Diaz will carry it off the field on the, you know, his players' shoulders, and it'll feel like winning the national championship again for for, for one Saturday for the Hurricanes. But uh, no, I'm still taking Florida in this game. I, I think 27 to 19. I actually like that line because it, it's actually right with what Vegas has, which is the Gators by seven and a half, and the under. Uh, I think the over under I said earlier was what 47 points, if I'm not mistaken. So and and so you know 27 and 19 that that leaves you right there at 46. So I I think uh I I think that's what the game's going to turn out to be. I think the Hurricanes are going to struggle offensively in this game, at least in the early going. Florida's going to have the advantage uh being, you know, more experienced and, and a little older on the defensive side than the Hurricanes are on offense. Um, but I think the Hurricanes are still going to keep it close, and and I don't think they're going to get embarrassed. I think in the end this is going to feel like a victory for Miami, even if they lose to the Gators, because it's going to feel like Manny Diaz has this thing going in the right direction. If they get embarrassed, man, I don't want to be around Sunday, because I know how quickly this fan base can turn on you. And as much as Manny Diaz has done uh, to change sort of the outlook and the new Miami and all that, I think a, a bad loss to the Gators would sort of bring everybody back to where they were in December when Mark Rick quit and they were coming off a 35-3 loss to Wisconsin. So, Miami has to show up. They can't get embarrassed. I think as long as they avoid that, it's going to feel like a victory for Manny Diaz.
1: Yeah, I I, I get down with a little bit of that. Let, let me let, like rephrase a, a slight bit of what I said. Like, cause I don't want a bunch of your Miami Hurricane readers to come <laughs> at me. You know what I mean? So, let me rephrase a little bit there. So, I think that there is a path for Miami to win this game. And I think there is a path to sort of make it close. I'm just not willing to sort of put my money on that just because I have no reasons on Florida's end to be that concerned. I think that I, I can get down with that line of thinking and say to myself, yeah, their defense is pretty stout. And I, I think Dan does a good enough job offensively to to really make things happen and make things confusing for, for Florida's defense. I can buy all that to an extent, but Just on the flip side of it, with Florida, there's not a whole bunch that sticks out to me that says, okay, this is why they're going to lose this game. Right.
0: I'm with you. I think the Gators are the clear favorite. And by the way, uh, history will tell you, the Hurricanes have not beaten a team ranked in the AP Top 10 away from Hard Rock Stadium since 2005 when they won at Virginia Tech, who was ranked third at the time. It's felt like an eternity since Miami's won a big road game. And they're 3-20 and against the AP Top 25 on the road since that Virginia Tech win. So, history tells you that this will not be a successful weekend for Miami, at least right now, until Manny Diaz can sort of establish the depth and experience that he wants on this roster. So, Miami is certainly the underdog for a reason. And if you're a Hurricanes fan, you're just rooting that that defense comes out and plays the game of its life.
1: Manny, bringing up the facts uh, toward the end of the podcast, I like it, dude. <laughs> Will, thank you so
0: much for uh, joining me. I think I'm going to hear from you again uh, quite a bit here over the next few days because we're, we're going to be in Orlando together covering the game. I think Bruce Feldman's going to be there. I heard, and uh, we're going to be doing what our, our, you know, their usual post game, post game interview type thing, the exit interview story that uh, you, you've done in the past.
1: Yeah, I'm excited about it. I, I'm glad that you mentioned that we'll be in Orlando because. It's just really cool to actually be at the game, um, kind of get the vibe, uh, feel feel out the experience, get sort of the atmosphere down, and just see finally the, these two teams play after talking about it for for so many months. I feel like, but yeah, I'm I'm super excited about it. We'll have a lot going on, obviously, right after that game, but also some some big takeaways on Sunday and Monday coming out of it because both these teams have buys, right? Like right afterwards. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we're going to have a lot coming out of this game. And so I'm glad I'm psyched up that we're both going to be there um, and see it firsthand for sure. All right. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Oh, anytime, Manny. Best of luck the rest of the way with your podcast. Excited to be on it.
0: Thanks brother. Talk to you soon. All right. So that's our show. Our first episode of wide, right? I'm Manny Navarro, your host. I want to thank Will Salmon, our Florida Gators beat writer, for coming on and giving us his expertise. I want to thank Todd Wofford, the high school football coach at Central Gwinnett, who was Jaron Williams' high school coach and a guy who I've talked to a ton over the last year and a half. And I want to thank you, Mike, for uh, producing our first episode. I look forward to uh, putting together a lot of good shows with you here in the coming months and, and years ahead. And I hope Hurricanes fans enjoyed it. If you have questions, or comments you'd like to leave for me, you can always reach me on Twitter at Manny underscore Navarro. You can email me about the show or a story or anything you want to talk about at mnavarro at theathletic.com. You can also reach Mike. His uh, email is mzimmerman at theathletic.com. And so, again, uh, please continue to support The Athletic and the show Wide Right. We plan to give you a lot of great content all season long. We'll be back after the Florida Gators game this weekend with another podcast on Monday. Take care.